Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon, You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Aaron Arrow, the Sick Podcast on this Tuesday, October 3rd. It is three minutes past 10 o'clock Eastern Time. And the Sick Podcast brought to you in part by Playground. Over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games. Daily promotions and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else is what I ask. Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Playground. And also brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. What a company Mike Cinquino and my buddy Sean Gerard run. Unbelievable. And brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bit at TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit at TB, embrace your true nature. Yesterday, right before we signed off, I told you that uh, the sick podcast is growing slowly, but surely, and we are getting better every day. And we have big plans for the upcoming hockey season. We've added a couple of collaborators and I am already able to confirm. And there's another one. If all goes well, that I'll probably be able to confirm tomorrow. But for now, I can tell you that Craig button will be a regular collaborator this year on the sick podcast. So a brand new collaborator in Craig Button, who was a former GM in the National Hockey League and is, of course, the, um, uh, you know, the scouting director for uh, TSN. And uh, I I can't wait to talk to Craig. It's been a while since he and I have talked. And um, I'm very, very glad that he accepted the, uh, the invite and being part of the show. I'm also very, very happy that this gentleman is going to be part of the show as well. Uh, He and I have been talking over the past couple of years. Uh, I think we have a lot of respect for what each other does. I know I certainly do with what uh, Max Lapierre and Guillaume Latendresse have done with La Poche Bleu podcast. It's a podcast that will kind of remind people of Spitting Chicklets, Quebec's version of Spitting Chicklets, but with a different twist, with a Max twist, with a Guillaume twist. They talk to comedians, musicians, uh, artists, artists, You know, they get everyone involved. They have great engagement. They have great people working for them. They have several podcasts that they've added to their bank of podcasts. And uh, they've also uh, opened up a segment called La Taverne Aki, which is usually on Friday nights. Uh, Pardon me. Usually on Wednesday nights. Pardon me. But if Wednesday nights they can't make it for whatever reason, they'll probably end up having it on Sunday. I've taken part in two segments of La Taverne Aki so far one on a Wednesday night and one on a Sunday night. And I was really happy when Maxim LaPierre gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to be part of the show and part of that segment. I said, yes. And I said, Max, I've been chasing you for a while. I'd love for you to be a part of mine as well. And he said, Tony, I'd love to. So here we go. Without further ado, if all goes well, we introduce for the very first time on the Sick Podcast, former Montreal Canadiens player and with Tivia Spar and La Poche Bleu, Max LaPierre, how are you? What's going on, my friend? Max, uh, I've never had a chance to be able to congratulate you on the Sick Podcast because this is the first time. But on behalf of myself and Yellow, everyone at the Sick team, and of course, everyone watching, much congratulations with all the success that La Poche Bleu has had. And uh, there was a press release that came out a couple of months ago 
saying that you guys were sold to Playmaker, but you'll still be running it over the next several years. Uh, but you sold for uh, for a pretty nice amount, an amount that I think it's definitely worth, and uh, and then some. And so my big question to you right now is, can you give me a million dollars? Tony, thanks so much for having me on the show. I think it's it's great for me. It's a little challenge in English. So the sick podcast with an accent for tonight. It's gonna it should be a good show. <laughs> no, but you are you are fairly comfortable in English, and if uh, I believe. Um, you married a young woman from Vancouver, did you not? Exactly. So right. I got to practice my English a little more the, the last few years. Which I imagine you met while you were playing in Vancouver for the Canucks, correct? Exactly. I told her I was a first liner and I would be a superstar one day. Didn't work. Uh, uh, so she, was, she wasn't a hockey fan. Was she a hockey fan or not? No. <laughs> she wasn't. Let's bring up, if we can, actually, the great career that you had. Because I think, Max, what it's going to do... Uh, we're going to go to different subjects on this show and it'll put people, it'll put things in context that you have obviously so much experience. Look, here it is. It's up and I'm putting it up right now for those who are watching on YouTube live on Facebook live on Twitter live uh, just over three years in the Quebec major junior hockey league. Uh, of course, four seasons, but uh, the, the first season was nine games. Then after that, the Hamilton Bulldogs, you were a Montreal Canadians second round pick 61st overall in the 2003 NHL entry draft. You know what? It's the first time I'm looking at this. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't realized you were in 03. That was the Patrice Bergeron draft. What a year, eh? Wow. 2003 was an amazing draft, of course. We all remember that because that was Marc-Andre Fleury went first. That was the year. Tony, you want me to be mean a little bit? From the 2003 draft. We could have taken Ryan Getzlaff and Patrice Bergeron, and we took Andrew Kostitsin and Max Lapierre. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking about one of the best drafts in the history of the National Hockey League, right? You brought up Ryan Getzlaff. Corey Perry was in that draft. Uh, Shea Weber was in that draft. Brent Burns was in that draft. Patrice Bergeron, I believe that the best player taken in that draft, and it doesn't matter where he was taken, the best player that came out of the 2003 draft in my opinion was Patrice Bergeron who was drafted 45th by the Boston Bruins here's a guy who had a 20-year career here's a guy who was a captain down the stretch an amazing leader won six Frank Selke awards two Olympic gold medals went to three Stanley Cup finals won one of them much to your dismay because it came against your Vancouver Canucks in game seven that was a crazy series it was a homer series the Bruins had blown you guys out of the water in all the games in Boston. You guys had controlled all the games in Vancouver. You get to game seven. You've won all your games on home ice up until that point. And if memory serves me well, was it 4 nothing you lost? Yeah, it was a tough, tough one. Losing at home game seven in Canada, it's a, <laughs> it's a tough one for sure. But you know what? Like This is when you realize how tough it is to win the Stanley Cup because it, it doesn't matter what you do the first three rounds. doesn't matter what you do the, game, the six first games of the Stanley Cup Finals. The big game, when it's time and you everybody's playing with injuries and all that, it's it's the matter of one game, 60 minutes. Can you offer your best hockey that night? And we yeah. couldn't. Let's, let's bring up once again your hockey DB, once again your career if we can. But I'm going to go back to... Vancouver and that game seven for just a second. But anyway, uh, American Hockey League, Hamilton Bulldogs, Montreal Canadiens, Hamilton Bulldogs again, Montreal Canadiens again, Hamilton Bulldogs again, and then the Montreal Canadiens for what was it? Four straight seasons from there to the Anaheim Ducks from Anaheim to Vancouver for three seasons, then to St. Louis for two seasons, the Pittsburgh Penguins for half a season. Uh, and then you make your way to uh, to Sweden uh, to play for Moto uh, four years in Switzerland with Lugano. And then you finish it off with the Berlin Polar Bears. Let's keep that up for a second. So there you have it. That was your tremendous hockey career that you had. Congratulations. I I wasn't planning on starting with the Stanley Cup Final. As a matter of fact, it's not even on the bullet points that I have in my head that I <laughs> want to talk to you about. But since we talked about it, could you begin to explain Game 7, Game Day, you wake up that day, you know that you're either going to be partying later that night or you're going to be in the biggest depression known to man. How are you feeling that day? Were you the type of player who got really, really nervous 
in big, big games or not? If so, how did you deal with the nerves? How did you pass your day? It was a tough one. I mean, uh, I'm normally pretty relaxed. Like I like my long naps in the afternoon and I like to have a big pregame meal. And that day, I think it was pretty much the same for everyone, to be honest. Like I had a tough time eating, maybe uh, a little less pasta, a little less chicken, try to go to sleep. No joke. I was walking in my room, in my hotel room, because we, we were in Vancouver, was, but staying at the hotel to make sure yeah. we stay away from distractions. I walked all day in my room. I, I just couldn't sit. It was impossible. I was ready to play now, uh, but still confident. You know, I was confident, not just in myself, but the teammates I had. I think we had a very special group, great leadership, and just not one leader, but lots of leaders. And... Uh, no, it's just stress. I remember calling Patrice Brisbois, actually, uh, that won the Stanley Cup in 93. was a good friend, ex-teammate. Just just wanted to chat with him about what what does he regret or how did he felt the day he played for the Stanley Cup. A couple tricks, good talk. Always good to talk to a good veteran from the, like, he was an outsider, right? You want yeah. to have another opinion. And yeah, just calm me down a little bit and then went and played a game. And to be honest, the first... Eight minutes, we're just dominating that game until one goal, two goals, and then, you know you know what? Your game seven, Stanley Cup Finals, not a chance. You're coming back from a 4-0 deficit. Like, there's not a chance. The other team is not going to make a mistake. Nobody's going to cheat. Everybody's going to do 30-second shifts, and it's game over. It's game seven. So, hey, congrats to Boston. They had a great yeah. team. They had guys, like you mentioned, Patrice Bergeron. Like, those are tough guys to play against, and that's why they won the Stanley Cup. Max, pretty stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway. As a former athlete that you were, do you ever think you're going to get a bad result? Or hockey players aren't wired to think that way. You just told me, pretty confident going into that game, I felt good about it, right? Is it possible that somebody on your team woke up that day and said, oh, man, I don't have a good feeling about this? Do hockey players ever think like that, yes or no? Yes, obviously, there's always a little 10% in the back of your mind that, you know, you're like, I don't want to be, especially, I'll be honest, especially as a fourth liner, I didn't want to be that guy making that mistake, you know, you don't want to go, you're up one nothing, and you you lose the puck in the slot and they tie, they go to overtime and win the Stanley Cup and you're the guy playing 15 minutes, you know, like when the other superstars are scoring big goals and the goalie is making big saves. So, yeah, that there was a little 10% that was stressing me out, to be honest. So, Max, I'm going to tell you something what I love about you. You're one of those former NHLers who made the transition to the media world, of course. Uh, you've done radio. You're doing television. You're obviously doing podcasting. And you're not one of those who is shy to give his opinion. You give the. You're not one of those who's who's shy to, you know, any kind of controversy whatsoever. You make big statements. If it's controversial, it's controversial. You stick to your guns. You stick behind what you say. You back it up. You got some good stats. And you were, I would say, in a province and in a fan base that really wanted offense and really wanted Matvey Michkov, you were probably one of the only ones to, like, just so applaud the draft pick of David Reinbiker. You had some information on him. You had placed some phone calls on him. You obviously have extensive knowledge of what the Swiss League is all about. You played for Lugano for four years. So talk to me about the homework that you did going into the draft to inquire about Reinbacher, what you heard, what you know about the league, and why you were so excited for this pick. Well, it's simple. First of all, I know pretty much everyone in the, in Switzerland now because I spent so so much time. It was great quality time, and I got ex teammates that are GM now in this league. I got uh, teammates that are still playing, and it's it's simple. It's first of all, it's a very good league. I played there. It's very fast, very skilled. Everybody al- always said to me that it was a soft league. It was European hockey, and it was just about skills and goals. That's not true. That speed, and there are veterans there. There's guys that played in the NHL. Austin Matthews went there uh, when he was 17. I think he Joe didn't Thornton. destroy the league. He played good. He was one of the best players. But yeah. Patrice Bergeron, we were talking about Patrice Bergeron. He went there uh, during a lockout, and he was a point-a-game point, point a game guy. He didn't go there and just have hat-tricks every night. You know, like yeah. So it's a good league. That Joe, Joe said, Thornton played there too, no? Didn't he play for yeah, Davos? Yeah. Patrick Kane, the, there's a few guys that played there. So it is it is a great league. Max, well, better, like about, better league than the AHL? I think so, because guys are older. And there's there's a few guys, like, let's say, 
me, for example, I, I played in the NHL, I had the experience, I went there, I was a little slower, but still a, a good skater. So you bring veterans, you have good young players, you have guys that get drafted. Anyway, my point was, he's a smart guy on the ice. And it's easy to take the pick that is spectacular. It's easy to want to have the guy that might score goals, but he's going to score 30 and get scored against 5 million times. That's not the type of player you want. Like, I don't want to disrespect Mishkov. I think he's a great player, great skills. But to me, a hockey player, you, we've been talking about Bergeron. Let's talk about on the defense side. Do you have guys like Petrangelo, right, in Vegas? Of course. Like, he's not spectacular. He doesn't go, and you don't talk about him when you think about superstars in the NHL. But it's funny, in every lineup he plays, it's always tough to beat the teams he's on. Why? Because yep. he's so so strong defensively. He doesn't spend time in, in his own zone. So what that means is the offensive player from the first two lines, they have the energy to go score on the other side. So that's what I'm seeing in Ryan Backer. A couple of right Stanley now. Cups, I, one in St. Louis, one in Vegas, of course. Exactly. So that's what I see in Ryan Backer. In a few years, I see a defenseman that plays 30 minutes. There's zero risk. He's not going to be spectacular, but he's going to do every single little detail right. You I, think you think he can play 30 minutes? That's like horses play 30 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like Seth Jones plays 30 minutes. Kale McCarr can play 30 minutes. Roman yeah. Yossi can play 30 minutes. Like horses in the National Hockey League can play 30 minutes. Yeah. Petrangelo can play 30. You think Reinbacker can play 30 one day? 100%, 100%. Because every, I don't know if you noticed, and now he's still very young, but every shift on the ice looks easy physically because he always takes the right decision he doesn't force anything he doesn't he doesn't have to compensate for any mistakes because he doesn't try those maybe that was the little issue with mayu right he was trying yeah. the home run every time he doesn't do that he's just a smart hockey player with an unbelievable iq i think what we've seen right now is a very calm player i think he's very good very calm and that i see him maybe Playing with Gouley one day, or we we got two strong D's with Gouley. That that's all I have to say. They're unbelievable, these guys. Yeah, look, I, I want to make something clear though, and I, and I totally hear you. But there's a gentleman on YouTube, Kev McCart, who says that Mikov Michkov has been a healthy scratch. He was, yes, at the beginning of the year when he was playing for Scott, and everyone knew about it that he was. But Michkov got traded. You know, he, he he made his way to Sochi. He's been playing unbelievable. In the last three weeks, he's really been playing on. But look, I'm going to say this, okay? I know the Canadians chose the safe pick. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with the pick. And I know they chose a defenseman who's going to play in the National Hockey League 15 years. And I'm going to say that he's going to play 24 minutes a game, okay? Whether he plays 24 or 30, I'm going to sure. tell you how I see it, okay? <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit selfish, I guess, and I'm a little bit biased, right? I mean, I, I grew up with Lafleur. I saw Guy Lafleur in his worst years, and he was my favorite hockey player of all time, right? There's the yep. chair and the jerseys to my left, right? So yep. uh, in in my um, in my uh, in my uh, walk-in closet here. But anyway, long story short, um, you know, I grew up a big Montreal Canadiens fan. I've said this many many times. And as much as the Montreal Canadiens have had amazing goalies over the years, right? You know, Patrick Waugh was amazing, and Ken Dryden was amazing, and you know what? Jose Theodore had a had a season where he won the Hart Trophy, and they it seems like they've Yaroslav Halak stood on his head one year and ended up eliminating the Washington Capitals and the and the Pittsburgh Penguins, and and of course, what can you say about Carey Price, who had a great career? But they were never my favorite players. Like I don't pay big money to go to the Bell Center to see the butterfly, the still papillon, to see lateral movements left to right with no disrespect to the profession whatsoever, right? I go there, I want to see Guy Lafleur score 50 goals. I want to see Stéphane Richer score 50 goals. I want to see Kovalev score 35 and dangle absolutely everyone. I want to see Matt Naslam pick up 110 points. And right now, I want to see Cole Caulfield, uh, who I think is going to be, you know, the next 40 goal scorer in the team. And I think he's going to he's gonna hit 50 one year. So, that's the way I look at it. You know, season tickets are so expensive nowadays. You want someone to take you out of your seat. Michkov has that ability. I personally think we're going to see Michkov on a lot of highlight reels. If Ryan Backer ends up winning a cup, there will be no regrets, but he's going to have to win it. I agree with you. It's fun when it's spectacular. 
But at the end of the day, you need defense. Like we always said it, you need a goalie, you need good defensemen. I get your point 100%. You want a guy that you want to buy his jersey and buy tickets, like Caulfield. Like you're, you're standing up when he has the puck, it's spectacular. I don't think these guys can achieve anything without the decor. You think about any teams that won the Stanley Cup, whatever, it's Pittsburgh, yeah. they had Latang, and they had good defensive defensemen. You think about LA, they had Dowdy, they had a good crew behind him to block shots and do the dirty job. Think about any Stanley Cup team, they need a D squad. It's that simple. I have I have a trick question. Maybe ask, one... ask Toronto and Edmonton. Yeah, I know, but you know what? One team wins the cup. They haven't won it yet, but they're really fun to watch, my friend. Yapir David and watching Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and Austin Matthews. There's worse in life than watching uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. I mean, but I have a trick question. I, I, yeah. we, I, we don't have the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Would they have picked Ryan Backer if he shot left? That's a good question. I would say yes, because I hope that this year they pick for the future and not for immediate needs. Because I think in the past we paid an expensive price for picking guys that we, we needed. Just think about one year the draft was in Montreal. Mm -hmm. Felt the pressure to take a French guy. We took Louis Leblanc. He was a good player, but I'm just saying. The next year we needed that sentiment everybody was talking about, that six foot three. We took Kat Kenyemi instead of Kachuk, which at the end of the day he plays center two. He can take draws and he's, he's a good hockey player, you know? Like, yeah. We, we, we've drafted a lot of times in the last 10 years for immediate needs instead of thinking about in five years, You're which right. I think is a You're mistake. Right. I think it's a mistake because if you have 10, let's say you have 10 left and left and the defensemen and they're all good. Well, good news. You're going to trade them for good forwards because nobody has good these. Yeah, know? you're right. But you know what? I can counter everything you just said and say to you that in the last 15 years, the one organization that had probably, for the most part, the best top four on D in the league was the Nashville Predators. They had it with Yossi. They had it with Ellis. They had it with Ekholm, and they had it yeah. with Weber. And when, yeah. when Weber left, they had it with Yossi, Ekholm, Ellis, and P.K. Subban. Yeah. And in the end, they didn't win a cup. You want to know why? Because they lost it to Crosby and Malkin. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But at the end of the day, you need you need a team. <laughs> like it's a, That's what I, I love about hockey. It's not just option A and B. There's, I hear you. There's 10 options. You need, you need the Ds. You need a goalie. You need a center line. You need a tough guy. You need everything. Yeah. It's not simple to win in the NHL. Hey, I, I have so many things I want to talk to you about that uh, I don't know if the hour is going to be enough. So, you know, we started at 10 p.m. I told you it's going to be an hour podcast. I want to let you know we're going to go until 1 o'clock in the morning, okay? Perfect. All right. You're going to have, hey, you know what, <laughs> at one point, I don't care. You're going to have to let me go get my charger because let me tell you a quick story. Uh, today, I went and got a new microphone, new light, new everything. Nothing works. I'm on my phone right now. <laughs> Are you serious? Hey, yeah, hey you like, know what? You know what? I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. And this is not sponsored, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, hold on a second. Where is it here? Get yourself one of these, all right? So you know what this is? <laughs> this is a supercharger, 45 watts. I went to pick up two of these yesterday. And because the, the ones that the originals are 20 watts, right? Yeah. These are 45. In like 10 minutes, my iPhone is charged. It's an amazing thing. But you know oh. what? If you look, I'm kidding about going until one o'clock in the morning. All right. We're going to get off at 11. But if you want, if you think your phone's going to run out and you want to go get your charger now, yeah. I'm going to bring up some stats. I'm going to talk by myself for about a minute. You go get your charger. You want to do that? I'll be sprinting. Okay. Go, go. I, I, listen, if you go as fast as you skate, we're going to be good. Maxim Lapierre, who was obviously an amazing skater in the National Hockey League. This gives me an opportunity to talk to you about Big V Live Productions in association with Mnir Qualité are happy to present the Wise Guys of Comedy Saturday, October 7th at 8 p.m. at Salle des Ilets Collège Marie-Victorin. 7,000 through Marie-Victorin in Montreal. Mike Marino is bringing his Welcome to the Family World Tour in Montreal with special guest Angela Majorano Thurston from Toronto and Montreal's very own Franco Tadeo is going to be the MC. And I want to let you know that Vincent Soumare Montreal North Food Truck 
will be serving some hot, delicious pizza before the show. And of course, part of the proceeds will be going towards the SMA Foundation. Come grab a bite and have a few laughs. It'll be a fun-filled evening. Tickets can be purchased online at bigvliveproductions.ca. Comment SICK, S-I-C-K, to win tickets to the show. S-I-C-K, right now on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live. I'm Marinaro. This is the Sick Podcast, weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern. And for the very first time, former Montreal Canadian and host of La Poche Bleue, Maxime Lapierre is my guest tonight. And Maxime will join us in just a couple of minutes. You know, Maxime wrote something the other day on Twitter, and he basically said, He talked about the Montreal Canadiens power play. I know a lot of you watching, and I know a lot of you who will be listening haven't been very happy with the Montreal Canadiens power play over the last couple of years. A Montreal Canadiens power play that last season finished fourth last in the National Hockey League at a percentage of 16.1%. The year before that, they finished second last at a percentage of a very low 13.7%. Maxim Lapierre is very opinionated on the Montreal Canadiens power play. And I think actually that his opinion for those of you who missed his tweet will very, very much surprise you. So that's going to be one of the things that I'm going to talk about with Maxim is going to be the Montreal Canadiens power play because he definitely has an opinion on this. I can't wait to talk about it with him. Other things that I want to talk about with Maxim Lapierre to give you a heads up on what's coming on the SIG podcast is going to be who's going to fill that right-wing spot on the first line. Eric Engels, of course, a Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Eric joined me yesterday, and Eric kind of surprised me with his opinion of Alex Newhook is going to play right-wing on that line because I thought that Eric was going to say Sean Monahan. I said Sean Monahan. Eric said Alex Newhook. A lot of people are talking about what's going to happen with Caden Primo. Is Caden Primo going to be placed on waivers? If so, will he be picked up? Or will the Montreal Canadiens decide to move forward for the next little while here with three goalies, Jake Allen, Samuel Montembeau, and Caden Primo? We're going to talk about Matthias Norlander. There was some talk that he wasn't even going to be at camp. He's not only at camp, but he has survived thus far. We talked about David Reinbacher. We're going to talk about Logan Mayu. Earlier today, the Montreal Canadiens sent Logan Mayu down to the Laval Rocket. I'm going to ask Maxim if he would have sent him down to the Laval Rocket or if he would have played him. Kirby Doc gets better and better every game and every day. Everyone's talking about him having the tools, the package of a number one centerman. Does Maxim Lapierre believe that at one point, Kirby Doc will supplant Nick Suzuki and become the number one centerman on the Montreal Canadiens, the rebuild. A certain sector of the media wants this rebuild done and over with. They are upset about it. They're not happy with it. They want it to be over. They want the Montreal Canadiens to be competitive, try and make the playoffs, try and win the Stanley Cup as soon as possible. They don't want to hear about the rebuild anymore. And of course, you know where I stand on this. I say, if we're going to do the rebuild, let's do it right. Let's not skip um, any steps here. Let's take our time. Let's do it the right way. These are all things that we're going to talk about with Maxim Lapierre, and hopefully by now he's charging his phone because I don't know what else to do to kill time. He's back. There we go. What a run. <laughs> all right. Listen, are you out of breath? I'm fine. I don't have that big of a house, Tony. <laughs> uh, so you're so you're still in shape because when I have to run, I, I can't breathe for the, like the first three minutes. But anyway, last question on Reinbacker, and then we're going to move on to a couple of other defensemen. Would you have, knowing, okay, knowing that Camp showed us that the one thing that he has to work on the most is probably getting used to the North American ice surface. Going back to Europe, he won't find that. He's going to find the European ice surface again. Would you have rather have sent him to Laval, or are you happy with Switzerland? I thought about that all day, to be honest. I think uh, there's so many positive sides on playing in the AHL and so so many positive things as well in the in Switzerland. Let me explain myself. I think in Switzerland for a guy like Randbacker, a young defenseman, what's the first thing we tell these young players when they come into the NHL? You need to get stronger, right? Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you're big or tall, you need to get stronger to be able to win a one-on-one battle. I think I know what you're going to say. If he plays less games in Switzerland, he'll be able to spend more time in the gym and get it. Well, it's it's kind of like the example of the kids playing NCAA 
who'll end up playing 36 games compared to the kids who play in the queue. The ones yeah. who need to play more hockey, the queue is better for you. The ones who need to work on their body, U.S. development system and the NCAA is better for you. Exactly. Plus, let's forget the size of the ice here. He's playing against older guys. You know, he's not playing against 19, 20 years old here. He's playing against 28, 29, 35 good veterans. And there's two games a week, Friday, Sunday, most of the time. What does that mean is that you spend more time in the gym and more, more, more time practicing. Like you're practicing basically six days a week, like five days a week plus morning skates or whatever. So you, you always have the chance to work on your stuff with a skill coach. You every day, like, and they're pretty strict about it in Switzerland. You have to go to the gym, which you won't, like, you won't do that in the AHL. You play back to back to back. You travel. You're in the bus all day. It's not a bad thing. I think that's going to be a good thing for Mayu that did it in his whole life in junior. That's what he's used to. Think about Reidenbacker. He's with good, good people over there. He knows everyone. He's with his family, away from the pressure. He he won't hear anything about him all year. Well, all he's going to do is focus on his game, focus on getting better. And then at the end of the season, you know, like me, that he's going to get the call to come and finish a season either in Laval or with the Canadians. He's going to get a few games experience that at that specific time. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a training camp next year. And that's a good route for him. That's a good route. That's what he's used to. Perfect. Now, let me tell you the good things that could have happened if he would have played in the American Hockey League. He would have been a hop, skip, and a jump away from the Bell Center. He would have been in Laval. Uh, he would have been able to meet with Marty St. Louis, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes regularly. Uh, they would have had their people keeping a closer eye on him because he would have been from within, you know, driving distance. Uh, Adam Nicholas could have gone to work with him a lot. Um, and the most important, he would have got used to the North American ice rink. He would have been playing on it. He would have been practicing on it. And another thing that could have, he would have got familiarity. He could have played with Mayu, and who knows, that might be, you know, or or you know, so Mayu wouldn't be his defense partner, obviously, because they're two rights. But he he would have been able to maybe play with Mayu, grow with Mayu, or other defensemen, and and end up making the jump. So look, only time will tell. I see the benefits in both. Really, yeah. I do. The only thing that I, I keep thinking about is. The one thing that he has to adapt to the most, he'll be away from, and that's the ice. Now, I'm not a coach. I never have been, and I'm not qualified for that. Maybe there's things that the coaches are already talking with the coaches, with the Canadians, and working on certain things they can do in practice for him that'll be on smaller ice. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what he's going to be able to do to adapt to that, there's probably certain drills that you can do that obviously are above my uh, uh, my grade. But uh, anyway, okay. Mayu got, Mayu got sent down today. Yeah. I expected him to get sent down. Yeah. Did you? No. I thought uh, I thought it was going to start the year, to be honest. Wow. But I think he offers a great package. Like, he's he's a good, good offensive defenseman. He's solid. He's strong. In the game yesterday, I... I thought he'd made a few mistakes, though, that for me proved that he needs to learn a little bit. So until yesterday in the second period, I thought he was going to start the year just because I'm not sure about Madison right now, where, where he's at with the injury and all that. But the the reality is he's got everything. The problem is decision, decision, decision. He needs they, to take the right decision. They don't have to rush him, Max, right? I mean, they're not a team that's exactly. going to go for the cup. I mean, Plus, he played, what, 39 games in three years or 59? Like, he didn't play. No, and that's the thing. The fact that he missed a year and a half of junior hockey, like you just, that's a big development step that you miss out on. I thought about Galchenyuk, right? When Galchenyuk tore his ACL and he missed one full year of junior hockey and he made the jump to the Canadians at 18 years of age. And I know it's different players and I know it's different positions, but skipping steps, you know who can do that? Patrice Bergeron could do that. He can go from being drafted 45th in the second round to making the Boston Bruins as an 18-year-old and never getting out of the lineup and never playing in the American Hockey League. Yeah. Most players, if you're not drafted first, second overall, or you're not a phenom like Bergeron, yeah. you can't do that. I I always had a tough time with this saying, though, Tony, to be honest. like I don't believe that you can burn a player. I think, again, you remember a few minutes ago, I said we always think there's just plan A and plan B. Like, it, it's not he's staying in the NHL or he's playing in the AHL. 
I love a kid playing a few games at the beginning of the year in the NHL to understand himself that he's not ready. For me, this is where it pays off. When you go down with your car and you drive to Laval and you know yourself that you're not ready, then you're getting to work. If you think in your head that you're going to Laval... Uh, unless, unless you're fragile and it hurts your confidence. Unless you're fragile, then we don't need you. That's not something that you're willing to work with? I, I just I just believe in playing a few games if you you can support a few games like let's let's be honest Mayu would not be out of place playing a game you would so you, you you never believed in that whole thing because because scouts love to say this right scouts will always say and I had one scout who always used to tell me this always 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 Tony I never heard of a player who it hurt him to play one more year of junior hockey but I can tell you of a bunch of players that it hurt them. Because yeah. they made, you know, they play in the National Hockey League too quick. You know, yeah. a lot of scouts, like, you don't believe in that. I'll talk about my own experience, okay? When, okay. I, when I got my first call up from Hamilton, and I took face-offs against Matt Sandin, and I took face-offs against Bobby Olick, and I went in the corner with Chara and Lidstrom. I came back after, I called my dad, and I said, I'm not ready. <laughs> I need to go to the gym, and I need to play, and I, I'm not ready to play in the NHL. Not a chance. So then you go back, what do you do? You work twice as hard you go to the gym you take you ask more questions you do more video and then at one point you go back then you stay 10 games instead of two then you stay 40 games the next time you get called up i like this way i, 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 don't, I don't understand why you would want to go in, i don't understand why you would want to go in the corner with chara to begin with <laughs> <laughs> what the hell would you do that for like the guy's like six foot a thousand max i have fun. no idea <laughs> okay do you, do you understand my point yes i do you know, if you burn yourself, you won't touch the oven again. But, you know, you said something about Reinbacker before, uh, and you said that we'll see Reinbacker here before the end of the season. We're going to see Mayu too. 100%. We're going to see Mayu too. So 100%. now, the burning question, Eric Engels joined me yesterday. His answer was different than mine. Let's see what your answer is. Who is starting the season right wing on the first line? And or is that the same player that you think Marty St. Louis is going to put there? Well, I got a player in mind. You probably won't like it, but there's an old thought process behind it. I it's, know you're going to say you're going to say RHP. Yeah, exactly. And it's of not course, just the Gachino, Max. Okay, I don't care. I'm here to win. <laughs> I'm here to win. I. It's not just about the first line. I think Arby Pinal brings a lot of things that fits well with Caulfield and Suzuki. I think we don't need to say they're a duo, right? It doesn't really matter what the other guy on the right side does. I think for me, it's the perfect guy because he goes to the net. He recovers a lot of puck, which are gold for Suzuki and Caulfield. They want the puck, but they need some. They need somebody sometimes to, to work 5% harder than them to go get it. And I think our vision... I, I know what you're thinking. Okay, and then... You're, you're thinking what Burroughs was to the Sedins. Exactly. Or Kunitz or Pascal Dupree with Pittsburgh, you know, like yeah, yeah. these guys are important. Every every duo has that guy that we don't think is that skilled, but he, he is that skilled because he did score the goals last year. He did like he did great, to be honest. And I his work ethic is never gonna change. But that being said, for me, it's not just about the first line. I think it balances every everything else under. Like for me, I like New Hook. Doc and Anderson. Tell me that's not a good line. It, it is a good line, but I have a question for you before I tell you it's a good line, even though I just told you it's a good line. Yeah. <laughs> Would Rafael RV Pinar be on the first line of any other team in the National Hockey League? Why not? Because he just wouldn't. Okay, so 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 why did he score his goals last year? Just because he's French? No, he scored his goals last year because he played great. But I'm going to tell you something. I doubt that he can repeat. Now, that's just my opinion, and What's I'm the nobody. Bet? What's you the know, bet? I'm a fat guy what? in his basement what? in Villa Sal here. I'm, I'm nothing what? more than where, that, right? Where do you want me to take you for dinner if you if we win that bet? If I win or lose that bet? Because I'm well, going to go all the way with that one. Yeah, well, listen, here's the deal, okay? You sold your company for about $8.8 million. So if I win the bet, we're going, we're taking a private jet and we're going to Naples and we're having a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm working and I'm working here. And I don't want to tell you what Agnello pays me, but uh, if you win, uh, I think we could stick around a fast food joint over here. Listen, 
I hope you're I hope you're right. This is the way I see it. There have been amazing stories before of players who weren't drafted the first time, were drafted the second time. There's been hey, Marty St. Louis was never drafted and he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. But for the most part, the law of averages says that a player who had the kind of career that RV Pinard did. I don't know if he can repeat this. I think last yeah. year was a non-pressure season. Yeah, but we don't care about his stats. They, they played Lucy Goosey. They played Lucy Goosey, non-pressure. And he obviously took advantage of it. Like, he had a motivation. What I love about this kid, he has a work ethic and a motivation that, for me, is above and beyond. I think he's the hardest working player on the team, to tell you the truth. Never going to change. Okay. But, Max, when you played... I thought you were probably one of the hardest working players on the team, but I wouldn't put you on a first line with all due respect. You understand what I'm trying to say? I understand 100%, but I, I think he's way more skills than me. Just look at his stats in junior. Yes, and now, so we're going to have to see if that can translate at the National Hockey League level. But besides the work ethic and the consistency, tell me why RHP would be a better fit on the first line than a Josh Anderson. because. And by the way, Josh Anderson's not even my guy on the first line, okay? And I'll tell you my guy in a second. But if Caulfield, Suzuki, and RHP play together on the road when the Canadians don't have the last line change and the other team gets the matchups they want and they can rough them, like, that's that's no. small, Max. Yeah, but if, if RHP is your problem in that case, then our problem is way bigger than RHP. Okay, so Suzuki and Caulfield are supposed to be able to play against anybody. If if these guys are a first line and we expect to win with them, they're supposed to be able to play against anyone. I understand that. Now, because he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, don't you think it would be amazing for Sean Monaghan to play on that line, rack up the stats, and then you can trade him at the deadline? And then if you want, RHP can start playing with those guys as of March 1st. 100%, Tony. Like, I'm not saying nobody else belongs there. Like, do I want to see Monahan? For sure. He's the only guy in the team on the team that made more than 80 points in his career. So technically he's the best offensive player so far. That yes. proved the most, right? Yes. I think I think New Hook fix, fits there. But our problem in the last few years has been we're, we're a team of two players. And it's Suzuki Caulfield. It was Suzuki Caulfield against Toronto in the playoffs. It always been these two the last few years. Yeah, the once in a while, there's another player like RV Pinar or whoever plays a, a great stretch of games. But I just think that putting RV Pinar there balances everything else. And we, I think it gives us three good lines. Okay, let, let me explain the rest and you'll understand where I'm coming from. Yes, I understand. Then you got, then you got Newhook, Dak, Dak, and Anderson. I think that's a phenomenal line. Size, grit, speed. That's a really good hockey line. I love that. Which brings me to the third line. Your veteran that you love, and I love him as well. You got Monahan playing with Slavkovsky. I think that's what we need. I think Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky needs that veteran presence. He needs that calm center that played on the top line by playing against maybe the third D pair at the same time. So you, you end up playing with a superstar against the weaker player on the other team. It gives you a better chance to learn and to play quality minutes with a good player. And I would add maybe Gallagher on that line. That part makes sense. That that part makes sense. But Gallagher said, like, you know. Who do you want? You want Armia? I think I'd rather have. uh, Pearson? I'd rather have an ingrown toenail right now than have Armia. (laughs) Well, your (laughs) options are Pearson, Gallagher, Armia, or Evans. So you don't see any young player making the team, right? And by the way, Emil Heineman really blew at this camp. Hey, one game he played well, but yes, it's he didn't take advantage of the opportunity. He really didn't. All no. right. So listen, I, I, you know what I like? I like the logic between Slavkowski going up against a third pair of defense. I like that. And, or, or or a third line. I like that logic. Okay. Yeah. Primo. Everyone's got a, a, an opinion here on Caden Primo. I heard Le Baron, the Baron, the other night, of course, who's part of La Poche Bleue and is part of TV Sport. 
he was saying that Caden Primo is going to have to go do with his career what Samuel Montembeau did with his. For Montembeau, it didn't work in Florida. He got a second life in Montreal. He doesn't think Primo it's worked in Montreal. As a matter of fact, he believes he's regressed, and he thinks the Canadians got to move him. I have an opinion, but I'd like to share it after you tell me what you would do with Primo. It's it's pretty hard. First of all, I think Montembeau came and changed a little bit the, what's going on with the goalie situation in Montreal. Uh, I think that, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but Dub, Dubs. I yeah, Dobish. Jakob Dobish. Dobish. Here we go. So now it's fixed for the rest of the year. I think he's he's doing great so far. Like, he's not a bad goalie. It's just, it's a matter, you know, like me, Tony, like NHL, it's a matter of timing. Right now, the timing is there's other people going up while he's going down. I, I don't want to say down or while he's not progressing as fast as, as we were expecting. He's a good goalie. Like, I don't think when he was in net for the Montreal Canadian, he did that well and i i don't want yeah but like, well, what's what's the i don't rush, want to what's the, I, I, what's a, the rush to get rid of him so i'm no longer as high on Caden primo as i used to be because when they drafted yeah. him i saw him in northeastern i saw him with usa i was the president of the fan club okay i no longer okay. want to be president of the fan club i don't even want to be part of the club but what's the rush to get rid of him really what's the rush they're they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. At least we don't think so. We'd be surprised if they make the playoffs. They're yeah. going to continue with the rebuild, okay? And their whole premise of this whole rebuild is accumulating draft picks and or pro prospects and, and stocking the shelves, right? Adding assets, depth, depth, depth. Why would you want to take a goalie who still has, even though he's running a little bit at a time, he still has an untapped potential, He's 24 years old. Aiden Hill just won the Stanley Cup at 24. He wasn't better than Caden Primo. Same kind of goalie. Still trying to find himself. Why would you have to put him on waivers to see him get picked up? You don't have to. Can you not carry three goalies? Why not? You know what? Why not? There's no rush. But at the end of the day, I respect the young guy. But I do not think that he's shown me that he will be a number one goalie in the NHL in a great team. I... I haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. I think for a goalie, like I'm not a goalie specialist here, but I think when you're 27 years old, 28 years old, you're starting to be in your prime in the NHL. He's yeah. still very young. But yeah. now you got Jacob Dobesh, you got Jacob Fowler, you got Montabo, and I don't know what we're going to do with Allen, but for me, that would be an option. Maybe we trade Allen. Okay. Maybe, you know, so Caden Primo won't be a number one goalie in the National Hockey League. In Maxim Lapierre's opinion, will Kirby no. Doc be a number one center? I didn't say it wasn't going to be a number one. I, I said a good number one in a good team. Uh, okay, won't be a good <laughs> will, will Kirby Doc be a good number one centerman? Yes or no and why? Uh, I'm still debating on that one. I think he's got the potential, 100%. Uh, he's going to have to take that step for me. What's the difference, Tony, between a first centerman and the second centerman? Um, I would say the difference between the first, I'm going to give you a couple of differences. Okay. I just For want me, one though. I know okay. it's your show, but I want one. <laughs> okay. The, is, is the ability to go up against other number one centermen on other teams and not lose the battle. I guess it's consistency over 82 games. That's a good answer. But my, for me, a good number one centerman has a better plan B than the second centerman. Let me explain myself here. I think guys like Bergeron, David Backus, Ryan Getzlaff, they're superstars. But on an off night, when they feel they don't have the legs or they don't have the focus, they find a plan B that is still makes them a good player. Getzlaff was physical. Backus was a monster physical. Bergeron, total shutdown. Good turn, man. Impossible to go in his own zone because he's too good defensively. This at, is what at, a, at, a, at a step below Bergeron. I think you could add Anzi Kopitar and Jonathan Taves to that mix. Exactly. But do you understand where I understand what you're saying? Where I'm going with this? Kirby so, Doc is the best centerman in, in the world on Tuesday. I know what you're saying. I, and then I, on Thursday, he's playing a little not as good, but he's not a factor. So you have more confidence that Suzuki could have that plan B over Doc. Not not necessarily. I think no. Doc is pretty close. He's pushing like Suzuki. Like it's a good thing. We're gonna have two good yeah. sets. My God, I, I think, love I love watching him play. He's smooth, eh? You see how smooth he is? So good. He's the so game's good. It's easy for you him. Not be a ghost 30 games a year. Impossible. 
you cannot be a first centerman in the NHL by being a goal 20, 30 games a year. And Josh Anderson cannot be an elite power forward in the game if he's not going to show up 30 games a year either. Exactly. You're right. But for me, Doc needs to be a good offensive player with grit. And some nights when he's not feeling like he's doing a good game, he needs to throw the body around. He needs to Mm -hmm. go to the net and keep it simple. Then we'll be fine. All right. Uh, I think in ending here, you sent out a tweet a couple of days ago. Let's bring it up. Put on my glasses here because I'm getting old. Please, you know, I, long, you know still, it took me, Tony, to write but, that tweet. But I, but I still haven't hit my prime here. Yeah, I'm wondering if you had help or you wrote it by yourself. But anyway, I don't have the whole tweet, okay? I only have the original yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. J'entends beaucoup parler du power play qui finit dans la cave à chaque année. J'ai sorti 4-5 joueurs de tous les power plays de la Ligue. C'est beau être fâché, mais dites-moi en toute honnêteté si nous avons vraiment les joueurs pour avoir du succès ou même pour être dans le top 25. Voici tous les premiers power plays de la Ligue. And then you went through team's top four or top five players. Yeah. And you basically showed that in your opinion, those are better four or five power play players than what the Canadians have. All right? Yeah. Now, as you know, Alex Burroughs is coming under a tremendous amount of criticism. The Montreal Canadiens power play was fourth last last year at 16.1%. The year before, it was second last at 13.7%. I think the day after, two days after you had, two days before you had sent out that tweet, I think they had gone 0 for 6 on a power play or whatever it was. Everyone was going nuts, even though it's preseason and these games don't matter at all, whether they win or lose or the power play does well or not. But I'm going to challenge you on this one, okay? I think for the most part, what you said is right. I take a look at the Canadians' power play, and they don't have a threat from the point really since maybe Weber of three or four years ago. I think they're missing a quarterback on the power play, although all depending on how you set it up, maybe you can say that Caulfield could be one of those guys or, you know, or maybe Hoffman could have been that guy last. All that's, I understand. Here's the challenge I have. Yeah. So I agree with, for the most part. Yeah. A coach's job is sometimes to be able to make chicken salad out of chicken feathers, even though the saying is you can't make chicken salad out of chicken feathers. Yeah. It's Alex Burroughs' job to get the most out of these players and to have a power play that overachieves, then he's really doing his job. I'm not saying that he's not really doing his job right now, but when you don't have the best players and you have the worst power play in the league or bottom three or bottom four, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but Tony, just I don't know if your team can put it up on the screen right now, but just go look at the stats on the PP the last 15 years. Yes. We had Kirk Muller. It was the same deal there. Uh, so it was, I know this, it was fourth last last year with Burroughs, second last the year before that with Burroughs, then Muller and Burroughs finished the season, they were 17th out of 31, yeah. the year before that they were 22nd in the league, the year before that they were 30 out of 31, for the last 10-12 years, this is a power play that does not do well. They do. The last time this power play did well, they had Sheldon Surrey and or Alex Kovalev. And Markov. And Markov. Yeah. And Ryder and Koivu. And, you know, like, it's easy. Like, I don't want to be that guy that defends everyone. I think you're right. It's a responsibility. Well, I, know, I know what you're doing. You're defending like, your former teammate. It's okay. No, it's a listen. Okay. You played with be... for three years in uh, Vancouver. Yeah, that, that's okay. But I'm pretty fair, too. Like, when it's time, like, he's, I, I, I mean, he's on speed dial number one on your cell phone. Tell me the truth, right? He's he been is, on that push is. before. But, you're going to you're gonna help me get him on here on the sick podcast at some point. We'll have yeah, a discussion. Sure. For sure. But do you think Marty St. Louis is not in the Parkley meetings with ideas? A thousand percent he is. And you yeah. know what? He has to be. It's a team job, Tony. Like I, what I don't like in this whole story is, oh, it's it's Burrow's fault. It's Bur- It's not Burrow's fault. He's got nothing to work with. Like, can we be honest? What? Like, I, I understand your chicken feather thing. Like, yes, it's a great. Yes. It must be a great salad, by the way. But I, I'm just saying, Tony, you cannot do anything with. You know, you like, know I what I don't like just, about Montreal. You just, I you just, you had your rant. You know what I don't like about Montreal? What? 
is that a couple of years ago it was Mueller out, right? And like, and I was one of the ones. Well, yeah, you know what? It's, it's you know, it's not that good. I get it, but and but now you know, like, but now when we're talking about Burroughs, no, 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 no. I agree with you. He doesn't have much to work with, but I just I get the feeling. So this is how I feel. Okay, I'm going to yeah. tell you how I feel. All right, our more influential sector of the media in the province of Quebec and because of numbers is the French sector of the media. Okay. Mm -hmm. The French media, I think are more passionate about hockey. They're more passionate about the Montreal Canadians. They're more on top of it. They're this, that, whatever, and all that stuff. If Dominic Ducharme coaches a Montreal Canadians team that is last, it's his team's no good. If Randy Cunningworth does it, he sucks. Let's have a boycott. Let's get him out of here. No English coach can ever coach the Canadians again. If Kirk Muller coaches a power play that's slumping, that is 17th, 22nd, 30th, this guy's no good. The power play is not going anywhere. Burroughs comes in. The power play's numbers are um, not much better, sometimes worse, sometimes a little bit better. Well, he's got nothing to work with. I mean, let's be honest here. I'm not saying you're wrong because in theory, when you showed the players from the other teams and with the Canadians, I think the Canadians are missing a real big shot on the power play from the point. And I, I think the Canadians are missing two players on their power play. All right. Right on. But, but I just, I, I don't, it just seems to me that there's, 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 you know, I don't know how to explain it. And and I I I like the whole gut Shenu here thing. I can appreciate it at equal talent. I'll always take the gut Shenu any day of the week, and twice on Sundays. I I find that in the analysis we're not always even in what we say. Does that make sense to you? Well, I, I, maybe some people are Tony. I I don't analyze what's behind the bench. To be honest, I analyze what's on the ice. That's what I analyze. Like I could care less who's the coach. To, I'm 100% very honest with you. Like, at the end of the day, I think if you take Crosby, Malkin, Latin, and Carlson, they don't need a coach. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to go in the room. They're going to have a plan. They're going to be on the same page. And they're going to score because they have so much skills and so much experience. Like, you know, like, don't tell me that if you take Burroughs or, or Muller and put them in Pittsburgh that the power play is not going to work. Yeah, I'm convinced it will. And I'm going to tell you this. I can't wait to see Lane Hudson and Logan Mayu on the Montreal Canadiens power play. I think that's going to be the next time it's going to work. Like, like if you take every position... And imagine if they would have had Michkov. <laughs> no, but just go position by position, right? Just, yeah. Like, just take, for example, a power play that worked so well over the years. Washington, okay? Yes. Okay, so the best shooter here is Caulfield. Can you compare him to Ovechkin? No, but Ovechkin is the greatest okay. scorer of this generation. Okay. You can't compare anyone's yeah. team to no, Ovechkin. No, but I'm just yeah. saying. On the yeah. other side, you got Backstrom. Okay. He's, who's better between Backstrom and his prime and Suzuki? B Backstrom. Okay. You got Carlson on point. Yeah. The Canadians don't have a Carlson. With all they, got respect, they got Oshie as a bumper. Okay. And they got Kuznetsov on goal line. Okay. So so now why are let, we even having this discussion, Tony? Okay, We're so, like, can we well, just be honest as media and just yes. say we don't have the players yet? No, we don't yet, but I still think they got better power play players than Chicago and Nashville. Oh yeah, we have and, a guy but we, we have guys that are better than Perry in front of the net. We have a better defenseman than Seth Jones. We have a better guy. We we assume that Bedard is going to be pretty pretty good, right? Okay, so so no, hold on a second. Last year, Chicago Blackhawks, yeah, had um, their best oh. power play players. I'm going to call them. Okay, was uh, was uh, Athanasiu, was yeah. Seth Jones, yeah, was Max Domi, yeah, was Patrick Kane, was Taylor Radish, and was Jonathan Taves. Those were the best power play point producers on Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Taves played 53 games. Yeah. Kane played 54. Yeah. Domi played 60. Seth Jones, I think, was rather inconsistent. 
I don't, I don't, I, I think the Canadians' power play should outproduce that power play with Suzuki, who played all 82 games, and Hoffman, who played 67, Doc 58, Drouin 58. Okay, Caulfield was hurt. With so, Patrick, so Tony, you would be ready to bet a major amount of whatever of money or time on the Canadians' power play being better than Hall, Perry, Seth Jones, Bedard. You would bet anything in life that the Canadians have a better power play. Not this year. I'm talking about last year's power play. No, but exactly. Like we, we, Chicago has nobody in their team except that one young guy, and we can't even compete power play wise. We yeah. need players. We can we can sit and talk about it for 10 years. No, no. All I was saying was I agree with everything you said. Okay, yeah. let's get that yeah. out of the way. I agree. Yeah. They don't have the horses, but I still think Chicago with Athanasio Jones Domi. Not playing a lot. Kane not playing a lot. Tay's not playing a lot. Taylor Radish. I think Nashville with Duchesne, Yossi, Granlin, Johansson, Novak, Forsberg. I don't have a problem that their power play was slightly better than the Canadians, but I think the Canadians could have also been slightly better than that. But we're talking a percentage point here. It's okay. not the end of the world, but... I agree. I'll, I'll I agree. That. The coach has to find a way. I agree with you. And when the Canadians take the next step, when the Canadians turn the corner, this rebuild, they get better. They start adding more depth. And Lane Hudson and Mayu are here. That's when I think that says the moment of verity for Alex Burroughs. I have a question for you. Yes. Yes or no answers only. Do yes. you think that the Montreal Canadiens' first power play works hard enough? Let's forget about the plan and the skills. No. Thank you. No, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think the Montreal Canadiens power play has enough movement away from the puck or is too static? Sometimes that has something to do with the plan, which is the coach. Sometimes that has something to do with work ethic. Because sometimes the coach is asking you to move, but you're a little lazy and you don't move as much as you're supposed to. Well, it can't be that all the lazy players are here. No, that's not what I'm saying. I hear you. You know what I mean? So, So that's my gripe with the power play. I find that they set up, they move the puck, but they don't move their feet. I love watching Tampa Bay's power play. I've loved watching their power play for the last seven or eight years. Braden Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, and Hedman. I know what you're thinking right now. That's a tremendous amount of talent. You're right, okay? Okay, and you're right. They have some plays that I've seen. Like They have set plays, right, where uh, where uh, Hedman gives it to Kucherov, And Kucherov yep. pretends like he's going to go back to the point, but he finds Braden Point in the slot and the quick one-timer and yep. the score whatever. Okay, that power play, those guys are constantly moving and moving and moving their feet that Braden Point could be in the bumper, and the next thing you know, he's on the half wall, and the next thing you know, he's on the point. That's a power play I'd love to see in Montreal one day, and I get it. Yeah, It can work a lot better when you have a lot more talent. Now, 100%. 100%. what I know is this is that you weren't the most talented player the Montreal Canadiens ever had. But when you played, no one questioned your work ethic or your desire or your passion. And it's translated into the world of media, radio, television, and podcasting. This was one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had on this podcast with all due respect to everyone else who's joined me before. And I'm so happy that you're going to be a collaborator for the most part on most Tuesday nights, which will coincide with the end of games, because most of their games during the week will be Tuesdays and Thursdays. So on post-game nights, when the Canadians play on Tuesdays, you'll be joining me. On Thursday nights, when they play, George Larac will be joining me. Craig Button will be joining me every Wednesday night. Uh, Eric Engels will be joining me every Monday night. There's going to be others that we're going to fit in as well. I'm so happy that you're going to be part of my team. Yeah. And, well, and if I- the podcast doesn't work, I'm going to blame the talent around me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, honestly, you're joking, but thanks for inviting me, honestly, because it's something to be a player, but it's also great that like veterans like you and other people like Jean-Charles and anybody in the media world are giving us the chance to express ourselves as well, you know, because like, I could have the best opinion and the best energy, but if nobody invites me anywhere, I, yeah. I don't have to display it so hey. thanks thanks very much I, it was a lot of fun to be honest someone said hey max give us one of your infamous woos Woo! <laughs> <laughs> hey tony just so you believe me i have my microphone <laughs> hold on it's, a second i gotta show you something you're ready. it's brand new <laughs> 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 you see what <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So it you doesn't work. <laughs> you know what the best part is? You know what no. the best part is? When I got up, I didn't realize I'm in my boxers. <laughs> <laughs> I had to realize this in my box. Now I have the same one. So this one here, I bring it with me when I work on the road. Instead of bringing the whole board and everything, yeah. I bring this one and obviously a cable and the laptop and my headphones and away parallel. We're good to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, in ending, and I, my God, we've gone so long. It's 11.07, but in ending, and everyone's watching on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter right now, and if you like it, like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, and if you're going to listen on Apple, leave us a five-star review. It's my way of feeling the love. Thank you very much. Give a plug to La Poche Bleu. For my audience, and maybe some of my audience have not yet watched an episode, and I hope they will, in 30 seconds, in a minute, take all the time that you want, actually, Talk to talk to them about La Poche Bleu, when it's on, and what you guys are trying to accomplish with that podcast, and what they can expect. Pretty simple. Every Wednesday, eight o'clock, we're talking to guests, whatever it's uh, hockey, the hockey world, comedians, actors, singers, whatever. But we're taking a beer with them in a bar type of ambiance, ambiance, and we're just <laughs> we're just having fun there, taking a beer. And after, there's always a debate where Tony comes once in a while, Jean Perron is back, Jean Charles, uh, Eric Bélanger, Guillaume Latendresse. We're just talking about the game, what happens during the week, during the weekend, and it's normally uh, there's a lot of energy in that debate. But yeah, it's been uh, five seasons now. We had over 300 guests, and uh, we're rolling, baby. We're loving Matt, it. You really are. You guys are a model podcast. And Why I, did you I just love- put water in your hair? Hey, you know what? Because uh, I, I needed to cool off. You were making me sweat at one point there. But it's oh. uh, it's actually, it's one of those rituals I, that I, I do. I just can't believe Listen, it. Listen, you have a model podcast. A guy a mo- in a podcast putting water in his hair and hey, then putting uh, the shades on. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I even put it under my arms like that. <laughs> well, uh, are you are you getting ready for something? Like uh, after neck, the podcast? Or uh, like, no, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> I married Italian. She's in the mood. and She's in the mood every month that ends in arch. Uh, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm out of luck. Hey, um, you have a model podcast, the Push Blue. I absolutely love it. You've done great things with it. You're going to continue to do more great things. And I watch it all the time, and I encourage others to watch it as well. Look, uh, I, I'm of the opinion, and so is in Yellow and Sammy and Master Control, the owners of Sick Media, that um, you know, as much as everyone is competition, I think everyone is stronger when they help each other out. I'm happy to be part of yours. I'm happy you're part of mine. I'm happy we have that same mentality and we see it the same way podcasting is such a fun medium more and more people are getting into it and this medium is going to absolutely explode over the next couple of years the best is yet to come and for us it's going to happen together thank you so much max i appreciate it see you my friend thank Merci you beaucoup. max lapierre i love this guy he's he's honest he's just he's a really good man i see him every now and then in the uh, in studio of tva sports we always have great discussion there's an incredible amount of mutual respect i obviously respect everything he was able to do during his career and now in his after career Uh, He's a hard worker, and that's how he got results as a player and now as a member of the media and podcaster. Marinaro, I hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I love doing it tonight. I thought the discussion was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I really believe that, and I hope you felt the same way. So for Agnello and Sammy at Master Control, reminding you, of bigvliveproductions.ca comment sick s-i-c-k to win tickets to the big show that's going to be going on of course the wise guys of comedy saturday october 7th at 8 p.m at Salle desile college marie victorin for Agnello and sammy and master control this is the sick podcast and me me i'm marinaro <laughs> And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.